Off the Ball, with thanks to Ford, with summer bonuses for all. Join the winning side with our 152 sales event. Ford, driving expectations even further. All right, a very good evening to you. We are broadcasting live from Boston College here. I'll tell you why in just a moment, but it is an unbelievable weekend of sport. The Rugby World Cup kicks off. We've got Nathan uh, over in... um, Wales, actually. He's uh, covering that one for us. He's obviously there ahead of uh, Ireland's game tomorrow night, but we'll be talking about the England game a little bit later on in the second half. We've got racing with Don McLean, and we have a special feature-length Jack O'Shea interview with Colin Parkinson. It's a Legends interview, so um, two of Mikko's favourite sons. Maybe I got that a bit mixed up in my head there, but uh, you wouldn't blame me because we are broadcasting live from sunny Boston, Boston College. We're here for the Erlingus College Football Classic. That one actually takes place next year in the Aviva on the 3rd of September 2016. But uh, tickets are um, going to become available pretty soon. Check out collegefootballireland.com for all those details. Um, the corporate hospitality packages are available, and the general tickets are going to go on sale soon. So if you want to register for them, then now would be a good time to do it. And you should. That's what um, that's what my conclusion is, uh, having spent a couple of days here. A very good evening to you, Michael McCarthy. Hey, Jer. Angry producer Mick is Ireland's greatest super Boston sports fan. I don't know how it happened. We've never talked about this before. There's a lot of different reasons for all the different teams, and here I am for the first time. Yeah, so um, you've been a bit giddy, I have to say. We've had to kind of dampen down your levels of giddiness since you've arrived. Yeah, kind of lots of sedation. Various, various places. Also with us, Donny Mahoney. Hey. You're an alumni. We're in Alumni Stadium. You, uh, you're home. This stadium is named for me. Yeah, pretty much, just for tonight. It's incredible to be back. Also with us, New Stock Sports Editor Adrian Barry, who uh, doesn't actually like American sports. <laughs> thinks that the, it's a, wa- a waste of... Uh, Listen, we've, we've I have you. I have immersed myself in American culture over the last week, Jared. I took in Monday Night Football, I took in Hard Knocks, just to myself in the mood for this thing, and I'm pumped. Yeah, we had to tell you I wasn't called School of Hard Knocks, though. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, I let it go until we were about to go on air and was like, maybe you shouldn't call it School of Hard Knocks. We're seeing, we're actually in the stadium here um, where the uh, Eagles are playing the Seminoles tonight. This, this is quite a big game, Donny. This is a huge game. Uh, Florida State is one of the biggest college football teams in the country. And uh, this game is going to be taking place at 8 p.m. local time tonight. Sports Center are here. They're going to be doing their live, uh, you know, ESPN's flagship TV show will be broadcasting live here at 6 p.m. The game will be broadcast at 8. The whole country will be watching this game tonight. It's a huge, it's a huge event. It's um, the second biggest sports show that's broadcasting from here today. It is, yeah. It's amazing. This, this was the one that you were talking about first, just to uh, ruin the joke by landing it. <laughs> Thanks, sure. <laughs> It wasn't that good a joke. It wasn't that good a joke to start with, to be honest. Uh, the other thing is that um, it's incredibly hot here. Sweltering, Jared, almost. You yeah, the, you've been building up trying to use the word sweltering all day. I think it, it's it fits. It's 73 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, whatever that which means. Which means nothing to anybody. 23 degrees. I just looked it up. Which Celsius? It doesn't ah, it's quite way hotter feel than right, that. does it? Yeah. It's way hotter than 20. It feels way hotter than 23 degrees. But the one thing, right? All my life watching Boston sports on TV and watching Cheers and anything else that I can think of from Boston, it's always cold and there's smoke coming out of people's mouths and every time they breathe. And here we are and it's unbelievably hot. We've been sold a pup. Flying in, right? There's water all around. It glistens in the sunshine. This is one of the nicest places I've ever been in the world. What's the story, Donny? Why don't they like? Why are they like? Oh, it's snowing, miserable, and our sports teams are cursed, and we always lose. What happened? Winter sure. and summer. Every conversation that you've had with a Bostonian has been about weather. It's been about weather, and or it, sport. But it's been. It's people have been reminding you, showing you photographs of last last winter's snow. Uh, the weather here is not always like this. There is a sort of like there is this cursed feeling that you know, a fatal a fatalism among the the Bostonian people. 
all the way up here on our own. They talk about. I'm like, yeah. but you're 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 just across the you're like two hours from New York. The uh, when this Deflate Gate stuff was going on, the Patriots fans branded themselves as the sort they aligned themselves with the North in uh, Game of Thrones. They saw them as the same people. Winter is coming. They're, you know, these are the people on the front line between the sort of wildness of humanity. Yeah. Bill just, Belichick as uh, Ned Stark. You've you just spoiled the end of Game of Thrones. Then obviously the the North wins because the North oh, always wins. I know the, the end of the uh, Game of Thrones. Um, yeah. So your impressions of, of Boston, Mick? I think it's been amazing. Like uh, we haven't really seen all like that much. We've, we've spent a lot of time out here, um, which is pretty great. But um, from what we've seen at the city so far, and the two times I've passed Fenway Park and looked longingly in to the old decrepit green building, um, it's been pretty great so far. Yeah. I would never have thought of coming here for my J1. It would have been like, oh, it's going to be full of Irish. But actually, you get here and you realise that it's amazing. Mm. But it is it is kind of full of Irish, though, as well. We were getting a taxi back uh, to town last night, myself and Mick, and just randomly some guy in a Dublin training top sort of wanders across the street. You do yeah. tend to see a lot of this kind of thing the, um, going on. The obsession with sport has definitely hit me in the time we've been here. Me, me and uh, Adrian were having dinner with some Boston sports media last night, which was pretty cool. But um, they were saying, and uh, John Green, the Sunday Independent, is here. He's on tomorrow's show. Um, was saying that like, he's been here all week and he's basically like every conversation he can hear at a bar or a restaurant or something people are just talking about sport yeah. all the time so all the different teams that are here the pro and college teams but it's just an absolute obsession as we watch on the big screen highlights of Ted Williams hitting home runs for the Red Sox there was a bit of Larry Bird there a couple of minutes ago <laughs> as well for even for uh, you even heathen, know who that is like me yeah. Yeah. yeah the uh, the Boston Marathon is obviously is it bigger than the New York Marathon is it it's a similar size it's, it's like it's one of the marathons that's recognised around the world yeah the it's one of the sort of the five um what the five golden marathons i think um you can qualify for the olympics with it i think but the uh the city is really like just this passion for sports it's just a you know it's every city is a marathon but boston run there is on patriots day which is a bank holiday monday in april and they run it and you know you're coming the either 24 mile mark the the course runs right past fenway and the red sox play a game early on a, on a, on that monday like they start the game at 11:30 just so that there'll be a baseball game taking place as the marathon is kind of crossing in its sort of you know its final ultimate stages so it's just you know there, there's a lot of smart people up here a lot of a lot of brilliant universities and um and i think that kind of somehow manifests itself in 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 sports fandom yeah we are going to talk to um a boston broadcasting legend in just a couple of minutes time who might try and explain some of that for us um maybe put some context on who bob labell is for us yeah so bob labell he was a uh, he is a retired sports broadcaster he used to present a show called sport tonight that was on uh from I think nine, from the 80s onwards, and he was just one of these guys who was just uh, lucky enough to witness and get to know uh, so many of the great sporting personalities in Boston and, um, and and see all these great games. There's a great YouTube clip of um, him interviewing in one studio Ted Williams of the Red Sox, Bobby Orr of the Bruins, and Larry Bird of the Celtics. And these are like, you know, this is the Mount Rushmore of Boston sports. These three these three guys are royalty here. Uh, and this is like 1991, and uh, I was talking to him on the walk when we met him, and he was, you know, he he was just amazed even just to remember it and how it all happened. Like, so this guy, yeah, he he sort of spoke for Boston sports, I guess. Yeah, Boston is kind of like cork on human growth hormones for decades in terms of the quality of sports output that it it has, and you don't know. I didn't really kind of 
have that sense of how embedded the sports teams were in the city until you come here and you see Fenway is kind of like it's not that far from downtown yeah and, it's right in the city and it's really beautiful like it you hear a lot of nonsense of, oh it's such a beautiful issue then you go and you see and go wow this is unbelievable so, so I think that colour green is just just absolutely like jumps out at you for Fenway Park and I was talking to a couple of people as well in the outer and they were talking about uh, obviously owned by John W. Henry who's interested in uh, the Premier League he how commercial he's made the whole place so sure. that you know they'll have weddings in Fenway Park or like previously it was you know you really you could get there a match day that's exactly. pretty much it yeah he thought to put seats on this like the green monster is this iconic fence and he's he was like hey let's just put some seats on top of it and then they became the most exclusive seats in the whole stadium you know and people were you know he's he they they monetized the whole all the streets around there and they re, they transformed what the team was and right around that same time the team just started to get good coincidentally or not so i mean it's just been onwards and upwards but i mean the last you know this century for boston sports has been incredible you have uh, the Patriots, you know, have won what four Super Bowls. Uh, the Celtics won an NBA championship. The Bruins won the Stanley Cup. The Red Sox have won three World Series. That's all in the last 15 years. So, like, it's just for a city that's already has this passion passion for sports, the success that they've enjoyed in in almost in pretty much everything is has been phenomenal. I've noticed that success though has definitely led to. They were always kind of negative sports fans, yeah. and success doesn't seem to have changed that all that much. <laughs> no. We were in a conversation yesterday about how the uh, Red Sox manager John Farrell—is that his name? That's right. Should uh, like they're talking about whether he'll last another year, whether it's time for him to get, to be fired or not. He won the World Series two years ago. They're third in a hundred years, so yeah. there's uh, there's uh, high expectations here, even. Yeah, no well, what. you know, that's what breeds success, Mick. That's how it works. Yeah. Oh, how have yeah. we not? Uh, how are we this far into the discussion and not have mentioned yesterday's reception on arrival here at Boston College? Oh yeah, oh, I mean, this we, is we arrived here. This is the highlight of my trip so far. Would you explain it then, Archie? So we we arrived on a fairly luxurious bus out from downtown Boston to uh, Boston College here yesterday. Our tour guide Donny gave us a few pointers what was happening on the route, Fenway Park, and all the various sites. Then we kind of pulled up and there was a bit of a sense of excitement on the bus yeah. uh, where we pulled out uh, to be greeted by 20 cheer Boston College cheerleaders. I, I wasn't counting, but there was a lot of It was of roughly about that. And I, I was kind of sitting in front of the bus and it became apparent quite quickly that I was going to be have to be the first person to walk out of this. My initial reaction was to try and get the phone out yeah. and do some sort the, of Twitter action. Now, in fairness, there was also the full that. marching band the marching and band, the mascot yeah. as well, but obviously Adrian only noticed the, the eagle, cheerleaders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. marching band playing the uh, Dropkick Murphy's Boston yeah. theme song. The song that is basically the, know, the Boston they? anthem <laughs> that coming, <laughs> shipping out to We've Boston. We've been here how long? You know, 20 hours this age. We've heard that song about 19 times. Yeah, are they from Boston? They are, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, look, if you want to have any experience of this, and honestly, college football um, and the notion of it coming to Ireland might have seemed far regularly, might have seemed far fetched a couple of years ago, but uh, it looks like we're going to probably get these these games every two years, um, which means a massive investment in terms of uh, tourism and an influx of people who are going to have a very positive experience of Ireland and go back and tell all their mates to come to Ireland. So I'm, I'm on board. Yeah. What am you going to do? You know, shoot me. I'm on board. I think it's a great idea. Did I read somewhere, and you guys are going to know this much better than I am, but in terms of the popularity of the sport, for people who aren't necessarily into football or college football or US sports, maybe like me, uh, college football is like the second most popular sport yeah. in the US? I think that's true. I mean, if you go, if you travel down to the south of the country, the southeast, I mean, it's, it's bigger than the NFL in, in a lot of these places. So... Yeah, like it, it's bigger than it's b- bigger than baseball, bigger than the NBA. The, like you know, the amount of people who'll be tuning in tonight, the amount of people who flew up from Florida for this game, who are around our hotel. Oh yeah, it's surprising. You know? Like this is that's quite a trip from Florida to yeah. Boston. But it's weird because these are like you know guys who are like age 18 to 21, and like you know people who don't even go to go to these colleges 
they you know they're just from the area and they have these kind of associations with them. It's a it's a different sort of like fandom. Yeah, that's kind of weird, is it? I think it's strange, you know. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's a local sports you know, team who you yeah. you know. Like I would follow Boston College. Go, and go anywhere. They're not going to. Yeah. They're not a franchise who are going to go up and, and leave. But yeah. the players change every every year as well, you know, yeah. or every four years. So. Which means that if your team sucks right now, it could be yeah. good in two years, yeah. and it all depends on finding one great quarterback or. One good, uh, uh, well, you probably need more than one good player. But anyway, as I said, the Erlingus College Football Classic between Boston College and Georgia Tech is going to take place next September the 3rd, uh, 2016. But what is actually happening this weekend, it's the biggest game of the year. It's the All-Ireland Football Final, and there's no tickets anywhere for it. It's Dublin against Kerry. There are no tickets, except we've got two. They're rarer than hen's teeth, Mayo All-Irelands and an Adrian Barry round, but we've got probably the last two of them in the country to give away and off the ball tonight. To enter, just tell us, who was the last Dublin captain to win the All-Ireland football title? Who was the last Dublin captain? What was the speech? Oh, I'm sure it was very memorable. Yeah. Text final to 53106. Oh, yeah, okay, sorry, yeah. yeah. Text final to 53106 with your name and answer. We'll announce the winner at the end of the show. So, final with your name and answer. And the answer to the question is, who was the... Yeah, uh, and it wasn't captain? Brian Cullen, let's go to Coppers. It yeah. was a way more boring person than that. Oh, that's... More, nice. oh, more, more, more boring speechmaker. Sorry, that's, more boring speechmaker. Well, yeah. even that. Not yeah, a boring man at all. Not, that's not very nice, Michael. That's why Mick uh, doesn't really get to be on air that much. No. You know. it, please forgive him. Uh, he, he's a little bit hyped up because he's in Boston. And, you know, it's like... Uh, he follows every everything every Boston team there's ever been. He literally wants to talk to every person who is on the streets and go, have you got any stories about this team? <laughs> the 2001 Super Bowl. Where were you? Right, text the word final uh, and we'll announce the winner at the end of the show. You're listening to uh, Off the Ball this Friday night. Now, we talked about a legend of, Buck, of Boston broadcasting. His name is Bob LaBelle. He's, um, well, he's covered all the sports, really. And we got an opportunity to uh, sit down and have a chat with him. Have a listen. So we've been here um, for a very short time, but it's pretty obvious to us that this is a city steeped in sports. Um, you're, I, I think it's fair to say that you're an outsider originally from Boston, and now three, three and a half, four decades later, you're very much an insider of Boston sports. Is that fair? Yeah, I don't know where you're getting your information from, but it sounds like it's pretty accurate. Yeah, I, did, I was not born here, and I grew up in Ohio. And... Uh, I came here after I went to graduate school, and I had a master's in education, and I was doing sportscasting as a hobby, and this became a very serious hobby, and then I've been here for almost 30 years doing stuff, just yeah. doing American football. Don't ask me about your football, American football, but I am becoming a fan, okay? If it wasn't so corrupt, uh, you guys got to take care of that, by the way. American football and, of course, basketball when Larry Bird and all those guys were playing. And then the Bruins yeah. and the Patriots and the Red Sox. It is. There's a lot going on. Boston College is, they have to fight for attention. Now, going to Ireland and playing Georgia Tech, that's a pretty good fight. I, I like that. And people will really take to that. But it's a matter of getting everybody's attention, especially the last decade when so many of these teams have won. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, that's interesting because, like, um, I wonder is everybody a, a fan? Are all Bostonians a fan of all the teams, or is there. No, no. I mean, there's a lot of people that aren't from here that, you know, left their favorite teams at home or they're coming up in the Yankees. No, this is not a, a 100%, but clearly most of them are. Yeah. You know, look, everybody loves a winner. These teams were losing. Nobody would be around. You know, they, they're, they're no different than other fans. They're, they're not the kind of fans, I hate to say it, but 
I haven't found too many uh, fan bases that come no matter what. This now, especially, it's they're spoiled now. They have to have a winner. It's the way it is. Can't blame them, but all the stuff that they were waiting for, you know, it's like don't wish for something because you might get it. That's that's the lesson here. Everybody wished for a winner. Hey, they got it. And now what? Everything's changed because the Red Sox won the World Series. Trust me on that. Everything around here has changed. The whole attitude. But that's that's what happens. Explain that, will you? I'd like to try. Yeah. But of course, there was this mentality here that these teams were lovable losers. That the Red Sox would, you know, 86 years they would never, they'd never do it. Uh, I had a bumper sticker made up, and it said it with the Red Sox logo. It said, "Not in my lifetime." It was one of my favorite props, but uh, and I still believe it until I saw it, and then and things have changed between the Red Sox three and the Bruins one. Celtics got got one. Patriots got four. Come on, these are in ten years. That's a lot of per- championship parades, and there's no other there's no other town that can come close to that. Now that's not. I'm not bragging. I'm just giving you a reason why. People are used to not winning or finding uh, horrible ways to lose yeah. or painful ways to lose. And so that was just kind of the fan base and, and their mentality. Now it's, it's kind of all changed around. It doesn't sound like you think it's changed for the good either. No, it's great observation. No, I don't think it necessarily has. Winning has not brought everything you would think it would bring. It's brought... Uh, temporary joy but after that joy wears out there's still that underbelly of doubt and sarcasm and uh, anger really if the, if the joy doesn't stay around so the pressure is always on these teams to um, build contenders I wouldn't say winners, contenders and Red Sox have done a pretty good job Patriots certainly have done a pretty good job. Very controversial, but a good job. The other two teams, Bruins, Celtics, they're in trouble, I mean, in terms of their performance. But that's, that's the way it is. Can you take me back to um, when you arrived? Because um, the Celtics were the... Is it fair to say the Celtics and the Bruins were the... They were the good teams? Well, the Celtics were. Yeah, Celtics pretty much were. Uh, yeah, the Red Sox were horrible. Terrible, Patriots were horrible. The Red Sox, the Celtics really were. When Bird came to town and Robert Parrish and Kevin McHale these were like local heroes and yeah the Celtics you know I'd go to the Boston Garden just to watch Larry Bird make a pass you know he was that sensational Um, one of the first things I had a chance to cover was the 1980 Olympics in Lake Placid it's when the U.S. hockey team with four Boston kids won the gold medal I mean it still is one of the Everybody thinks it's a national moment. Everybody around here thinks it's a Boston moment. That that tells the story about being around here. That they think that's a Boston moment, and and in some ways they're right. The uh, Rosie Ruiz, and I don't know if that name's familiar with you, but doing the Boston Marathon in 1983, turns out she jumped into the race about half mile down the track and finished first. Bad calculation, bad planning. She should not have finished first, but they put her up on the stand, and, and it was pretty good, pretty big scandal that yeah. somebody would jump in and pretend. I think she shocked herself by winning, and then she had to play the game. She had to continue the lie. Anyway, it's, it was a memorable moment, memorable moment 
that's an amazing start to your broadcasting career, really. True. I did a lot of radio in other places, um, play-by-play. Uh, do you do any football play-by-play? Yeah, we do, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I really have really become, if you don't mind me using the word soccer, I've really become a fan and actually starting to recognize players. I know that sounds really stupid because this is, I mean, I, it's such a great international uh, sport. You know, it's just, go ahead, I'll turn my thing, phone off. Okay. No, I really, you know, just Baggio and Messi and finding out that David Beckham is there's probably 50 soccer players better than he is. I mean, this is from other people that have played in the river. It's, it's, you know, it's got as many interesting... Of course, the, the Red Sox own Liverpool. Uh, you know, on it goes. It never stops. Yeah, because we're on the other side of that where we're seeing the NFL move into Europe and London in right. particular. Yes. So it's on our doorstep. And, yeah, and, yes, on your doorstep. You know, and we're playing NFL fantasy all the time and that sport is beginning to encroach into, yeah, yeah, into our to, lives. I went to London uh, two years ago when the Patriots went. My wife and I went to Wembley and uh, saw the Patriots and went over to Paris for a couple of days and came home. It was pretty cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's no question the NFL sees gold in Europe. Uh, no doubt about it. And they're working their way up. And they'll be there. These are not... I'm sure this is the case with many of your football teams. It used to be a player's league and a player's franchise. And the old players used to kind of run it and be part of it. Now it's a money franchise and a money league. And people who probably never played or didn't play much at that level are running the show. And so it's... In that football here, that's that's what happened here. What used to be a players' league, and now it's become an owners' league. It and happens. I mean, just, hey, look at you're talking about fantasy leagues. How about things like FanDuel? I mean, this this is a. Of course, you don't need permission to bet no. gambling, but they do over here. This is a, a license for professional gambling, yeah. and they they don't have to sneak it in over there, but they do here. Yeah, it's on the back of uh, it's on the back of fantasy, which is kind of a really weird yeah, I know. reverse engineering. Amazing. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's all changing. Um, can I take you back to the four Boston kids who are on the team that oh, yeah. win the Miracle of Ice? And it I seems went to the White House. They were went to the White House then. I think Jimmy Carter might have been president, and uh, I went down there and had a chance to cover him at the White House. But go ahead. I'm sorry. You're going to ask me about him, Jim Craig. Well, I was going to ask you about the whole culture of sport that produces such excellence um, but it, it's funny I, my question was like what makes Boston such a great sports city but I don't know if that is actually as true no, it's not in the water it's uh, some of it has to do with the pressure of the population on these franchises to spend money and make better decisions than the other franchises and some of it's just plain luck and let's face it, you know, the, this this town was, they go, you know, it goes in cycles. This town was uh, down in a big way through the 90s, and then they just bounced back, and they it had an incredible run after the year 2000 when the Patriots won their first Super Bowl. Everything just seemed to fall into place. But some of it, look, it's like, Tom, you're talking about luck? Yeah. Tom Brady, I, I'm sure you know who he is, but... Uh, in our in the football draft, he wasn't taken to the seventh round. You know the story. 
and, and look, you know, just, that's luck. Yeah. yeah, that's preparation. I know the, the scout, but still, what, what prompted the Patriots to take him? Luck, yeah. I think. I mean, what else can you say? He was that good. He'd been taken in the first or second round. Yeah. So it's a coincidence that the teams all came good at the same time. Yeah, it is. That's exactly right. I think, I think what happened with the Red Sox, no coincidence here. They sold the team. team to the team, the, pref, the previous ownership was going nowhere. So they sold the team around 1999. Uh, and the new owners did a number of things, both inside the ballpark and outside, to construct the team, spend money differently and more of it, and the Red Sox won. Now, I've told Bob Kraft this myself. I said, look, if you hadn't won the Super Bowl in 2001, uh, none of this other stuff would have happened. I mean, you really did put the show the way that that made these other franchises figure out how to how to win. I, you know, I don't know what that means, but I do know that they all kind of came together. You know, it was one parade after another. It was like crazy, crazy. But uh, and I would say one more thing, and then I'll shut up. No, go for it. The uh, 2013, the last World Championship. Uh, that was the year of the marathon bombings. I'll always believe that there was uh, an emotional and psychic connection between that Red Sox team and that tragedy. They were they, the team was in Cleveland at that on that day, but when they came back and played the next weekend at Fenway Park, it was like going to the church with 38,000 people. It was an amazing uh, slice of energy that they were able to literally bottle up and feed off for the rest of the season. You know, things like that happen. I mean, okay, they had to be good, but they weren't that good. This was not, you know, a vintage team. But they did amazing things when you least expected them. And there's no doubt in my mind that those two things are connected in some psychic way. Is that maybe the character of the city, that actually they're not always the best, but they're going to compete? Well, the character of the city is sitting right next to me. Ireland is the character of the city. I mean, that's unless you want to watch Billy Bulger on the Black Mass in the movie. Um, the character, that's a really interesting question. I, I'm really not sure how to answer that. You know what? The, People here are willing to pay the money, and it's significant, to go to these games. One thing about sports around here, it's multi-generational. They've been here. This is not like Kansas City or San Diego, where new franchises, relatively new franchises are. These franchises have been around for a long time. So, let's see, grandfather, your father, and you. This is... This is much more of a family tree, and I think that's the character of the city. It's more like family, yeah. and because um, you're stuck up here in your little corner of the world, and it's these people don't haven't really moved out. You know, there's been plenty of move in, but that's that I'd have to say was 
the, the real thing behind it. Does that make any sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. It's, um, it's not a bad corner of the world to be stuck in, though, is it? Well, only in the winter. It just really sucks in the winter. That's when it was brutal. Uh, no, it's just like Ireland. It's just like you think about going to play golf. And my wife's family's from Clare, County Clare. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this, it's fantastic. You know, you know, it's, it's a wonderful place. I, I, pe- I know people vacation here a lot, but you got Cliffs of Moore are there, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 See, I can throw these out things out because it actually was there. Yeah. So there, you know, to see it. I'm sorry, I'm just showing off now. No, but you got the Patriots though, so I think grass is always greener. Well, it might be. <laughs> that can't last forever. You know, everybody's now. I'll tell you what. People around here worry a lot. For instance, what's going to happen when Belichick and Brady leave? The world's going to come to an end. Yeah. It probably will happen at the same time. Brady probably will check out. Belichick will then decide, well, should I stay or should I go? I tell him to go, but that, you know it's, it's his decision. That's going to happen. You know that's that's within view. You yeah. can look down the road and see that happening. Three years maybe. So that great combination of coach and quarterback, and the team that they put together, pretty much Belichick put together is. Yeah, they they have a few little shelf life left, but it's not going to be forever. No, there's no such thing. As you know, no forever. No. But they'll take their run. You know, and, and let's say you and I were sitting around having a pint uh, 20 years from now, and we'll say, remember how those Patriots dominated everything? You know, that's, that's the kind of stuff they're yeah. made of. It's been a privilege spending time in your company. Thanks so much. I'm thrilled that you asked me to be here, and I hope you enjoy your stay and all the things you get to see. That's uh, Bob LaBelle, legendary Boston sports broadcaster, um, trying to maybe give us some insight into why this place is so sports crazy. Uh, it's competition time here on Off the Ball. Great prize this week. It's with thanks to the Santa Sports Pack to celebrate the return of the Champions League. Every night this week, we're giving away a one-year satellite subscription of the Satanta Sports Pack, the only place to see every Champions League and Europa League match live this season. At the end of the week, one of our daily winners will also win a 32-inch smart TV to enter identified tonight's mystery voice he wasn't very happy when he heard we were heading to boston for tonight's show the lads have just down tools there that's harsh we are working the lads have just down tools there if you know who that is text satanta along with your name and answer send the message to 53106 and we'll announce tonight's winner at the end of the show it's all thanks to the satanta sports pack the only place to see every champions league and europa league game live this season details and subscriptions are at satanta.com coming up after eight colin parkinson is uh, sitting down with jack o'shea to do a legends interview we've got uh, thursday night racing on a friday and loads more as well um up next we're back here at boston college off the ball with thanks to Ford with summer bonuses for all join the winning side with our 152 sales event Ford driving expectations even further three wide receivers out to the right Flutie flushed throws it down Cut by Boston College. I don't believe it. It's a touchdown. The Eagles win it. Unbelievable. I don't believe it. Phelan is at the bottom of that pile. Here comes the Boston College team. He threw it into the end zone. There was no time left on the clock. The ball went between two defensive backs of Miami. Yeah, so that's uh, Doug Flutie throwing a famous touchdown pass so famous that there's a statue of Doug Flutie throwing that ball in that pose 
uh, at the entrance to the stadium. You're listening to Friday Night Off the Ball. We're here in um, Boston College. We're here for the Erlingus College Football Classic, which takes place between Boston College and Georgia Tech in Dublin in a year's time. Uh, check out College Football Ireland.com for tickets. Donnie, tell us, Doug Flutie, that moment. Why is it so important? So it was Thanksgiving weekend, 1984, national televised game, Boston College versus Miami. And uh, it was a, a great high-scoring game that sort of just reeled in viewers. Two seconds left in the game, uh, Flutie takes the ball around the 50-yard line uh, and basically invents the whole idea of the Hail Mary pass. You know, Everybody knows what a Hail Mary is now around the world. This was sort of the first one. Flutie just kind of chucks it up in the end zone and is that tight end. Jared Phelan brings it down, catches it. BC wins. Uh, and that one play has completely transformed this place where we are right now. There's a, th- a thing called the Flutie effect, which uh, sort of was triggered by this play. Within two years, the college had received 30 had received a 30% increase in applications. People saw this play, and they saw Flutie, and they wanted to be part of this this school. So like people were like people were trying to get into this place. Uh, it just showed this kind of weird link between sports and uh, and education in America. But like it was, Flutie was he was like he was a diminutive five foot nine guy. Uh, he would never really be a quarterback anymore in today's game. He he ran fast. He had a good arm, but like you know he. He was he was tiny. Yeah, didn't quite make it in the NFL. He was he it, never quite made it in the NFL. He it was weird. He went to you've seen the thirty for thirty about um, the USFL, the sort of yeah. like the nineteen eighties offshoot. Small potatoes. Exactly. He was he played for the New Jersey Generals, I believe, which was the the New York franchise. Um, he went to Canada for a while, and then he sort of he was he was played with the Bills and he played with the Patriots. Uh, in this, he had a, sort of a long career. He sort of knocked around a while. Never really, nobody ever really thought he was like N- NFL material. Yeah. But he's a, he's a, he's a, he's an icon here. Uh, I was there in uh, 1998, the night that he he had his he was like inducted into the BC Hall of Fame, and uh, it was you know he's he's this one this one guy they love him even there's the Doug the the Flutie Brothers band and he's the drummer. <laughs> it feels uh, a tight end. You mentioned feeling. Yeah. He caught the ball. He caught the ball. Where is he in this story? He's totally forgotten. He is sort of like what he's like the answer to a trivia question around here, and people. He's a sort of Ooh, a. Oh, maybe he's coming up in the crap. <laughs> well, he, no, not no, anymore. He, it's not he, because he's on tour. He's a uh, he's 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 well remembered by BC people, and I'd say he still kind of he kind of eats for free and gets free drink anywhere around here because of it. But now Flutie, there's no feeling effect. It was the Flutie effect. Yeah, this place is absolutely amazing, and Boston is pretty amazing, and the sun is shining, and I'm I refuse to believe that there's ever any snow here. So that's my memory. If this place is going to be forever yeah. sepia tinged with well, well, maybe that's maybe that's wrong. We should like overexpose sepia because there's too much wine with dinner last night. Is that the? Uh, <laughs> we're looking out onto the pitch here, which is which is amazing. We're kind of what are we three four hours out from the start of this game, and it's uh, people sort of busy setting up around the pitch, and there are some fans, not in the human sense, but electrical fans down by the uh, by the subs bench here to to keep the subs keep cool. subs cool. It's pretty. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Sweltering. I wouldn't fancy going out and uh, having 300-pound guys trying to crush me yeah. in this heat. But obviously, it's going to be a bit cooler. Day. Oh, actually, that's not true. We were driving home yesterday from this place around about 9 o'clock, and the, the temperature said 33 degrees in one of the places. So, um, Anyway, look, Jim O'Brien is a guy who brought the first-ever American football game to Ireland uh, way back when in the 80s. And he was knocking about yesterday when they had a big ceremony to unveil the new trophy 
which is going to be given out to whoever wins the Aer Lingus College Football Classic every two years. Uh, when it comes to Ireland, it's called the Kyo Nocton Trophy. And uh, so Jim, we figured, was a pretty interesting character. And so we got a chance to talk to him about that very first ever game in Ireland. Jim, I wonder, you see a, a fancy presentation like today, the unveiling of a big statue, or a, a big uh, trophy like this, and you must think, well... Things have changed quite a bit in the four decades since we've three decades since you were over. Almost 27 years, actually. 27 years, so almost three decades. 1988, but that was a very special year because that was the year of the uh, millennium of, of the city of Dublin. So yeah. it was huge, and they they were looking for an American event uh, that would bring a lot of people to Ireland at that time, and so I went went ahead and worked on that, and I visited the. Um, IRFU, the rugby union. I also visited the GAA, Croke Park, and we talked about a lot of things. Could we have this match there? You know, 1988. At the time, the uh, GAA wasn't particularly interested because they did, they considered American football to be a foreign sport, you know. And then, uh, but the rugby union was very interested, so uh, we got we got involved with them and had the match there on November 19th, 1988. And. Can, can I ask you who approached you first? What was what was the? How did this happen? Whose idea was it? I actually approached them. It was my idea. Right. Yeah, it was my idea. I just thought of you know, it seemed like a great idea to have a. I was staying at the hotel across the street from Lansdowne Road, and I looked out one morning and saw the stadium. I said, "Geez, what a great looking old stadium!" Yeah. So and I walked across the street. So I think I'll have a look around it, and a, a gentleman uh, greeted me and uh, took me around, showed me the whole stadium. I wasn't in this business, you know. So uh, he said, well, are you available tomorrow morning? I said, well, what, what, yeah, I, th- I think I might be. He says, we're having a meeting of the uh, rugby committee. I thought maybe you could come and have a little breakfast with us and we could talk about this. Yeah. And so we did. And so they were very much in favor of it. Okay, and so... You, you sell the idea of a fixture, then you've got to go back to America and say, "Oh, I know, right?" Yeah. Right. So. I've got this idea. Yeah. yeah. So we we ended up bringing bringing the American athletic directors over to see the place, see the stadium, and see the facilities, so that they'd be assured that it was going to be nice, you know. So um, so that's what that's what basically what happened. There's a lot more to it than that, but yeah. I couldn't be, even begin to tell you all of it, but. There's a lot of good stories there, you know? Yeah. I have a book out, by the way. All right, okay. Can you just tell us a bit, like, why did it change your life? Well, I mean, you know, it was just it was just meeting all the people that I met and being in Ireland for the first time. I'd never even been there before, you know, and have uh, the kind of uh, uh, being as welcomed as I seemed to be at the time and still have a strong attachment there. I actually have a home in Ireland now. Right. So, um, you know, I'm thrilled. And I'm happy that Boston College is going back again. Finally, yeah. I've been after them for years to do it again. But I'm not—I'm not running the show this year. I'm not running the show like last time. I did everything. I was like the chief cook and bottle washer. You know, this time they have a big athletic department, and they've got—you know—Anthony Travel, and they've got a lot of other—you know—factions involved in it. Right, that was uh, Jim O'Brien there, who brought the first U.S. football game to Dublin in 1988. And uh, I'm sure you'll all be interested in reading that book at some point, getting your hands on it. We have a pair of tickets to give away for the All-Ireland football final on Sunday. If you want to go along, just uh, tell us who was the Dublin captain the last time they won the All-Ireland football final, if you know the answer to that. 
text the word final final i think and uh we will put you in the draw and we'll do the draw at the end of the show tonight so you know most people have been able to work this one out Stephen but... Cluxon is the answer <laughs> Mick there's already about 10 pages of responses by he's, the way he's, text, so. he's too could, excited that could be a trick he's just too excited uh, keep your answers for the crappy quiz the crappy quiz is on tour and I'm doing it tonight I'm going to be answering questions I'm predicting a zero uh, correct response rate yeah. but, you know get the low expectations out there first uh, all right, one last piece to play before we bring our crappy quiz. This is former Boston College coach Tom O'Brien. He was around for um, quite a, an important moment in the history of Boston College. He, he called up to us here in our commentary booth just a little while ago, and I put it to him that we've got pretty good seats, but obviously he would have been used to uh, some better seats when he was on the sideline. Yeah, but sometimes these are better seats than the sideline. You see a lot more. Yeah. You get used to it after all those years. After 40 years standing on the sideline, you get used to what you're looking at. But uh, no, it's beautiful. You can almost see downtown Boston from here too, which is even better. Tell me a little bit about what it means to you to come back here, because um, you were the head coach here for an incredibly successful period of time, and then you left, and now obviously you're, you're coming back. And is it just a sense of enjoyment and pride? Well, it's, it's it's more to come back to see the kids that were on the team. You know, they've been out of school now for 10 years. Uh, some of them, some of them, you know, maybe a little bit longer because they were young when we played. But, you know, the inaugural night, this was a big move back in those days, uh, leaving the Big East and going to the ACC. And so, you know, Florida State came in to kick off our first AC season when we joined 10 years ago. And it's nice that they're back almost to the day than we did 10 years ago. But I think there's maybe 45 former players off that football team that played that night that are coming back and you know by traveling and, and not being here you lose contact with some of them so now it's it's time to now that i'm retired to, to make some friendships again to find out what they're all doing yeah um maybe you just would explain a little bit about how controversial a move that was you, you guys decided as a college that your future as a football team was best served leaving where you had been traditionally pretty much since the beginning of time and that's a big deal yeah, the, the Big East was, was a basketball conference. Then they, they became a football conference not too long, and two teams had already left. The University of Miami and Virginia had, had left the Big East. Uh, we were part of that conversation but didn't go that time, so we had to wait a year or two to be part of that. And at that point, the ACC the, was the Atlantic Coast Conference, and what they were looking at was a blueprint from Florida, Miami, the southern part of Florida, all the way up to Boston, and to be inclusive of all the teams that were in between on the coast. So yeah. um, you know, I think it worked out great for, for Boston College, and I think it worked out great for the uh, Atlantic Coast Conference. Yeah, it definitely worked out for you guys because you were successful from the start. That first season, there must have been a huge amount of pressure on you to deliver a successful season because, you know, that's all great, well and good. Oh, now we've got to win some football games. Well, there's always a lot of pressure in college football. You know, somebody says I was playing golf the other day and you get ready to make a putt and he goes, that's pressure. I go, no, that's this isn't pressure. You know, fourth and one, that's pressure. When you make the call, you figure out what you want to do. But, uh, yeah, there's always pressure. But I think, you know, we had a great night that night. The, the place was packed. The fans were going crazy. I think we had, in those days, Sports Center. Um, is here tonight, but the, we had game day, right, yeah, yeah. which is the biggest thing in, in ESPN. The game day crew was here and everything, so you know the students were out there at like eight or nine o'clock in the morning, filled the quad up, and, and so there was just a whole day long of excitement. Do you feel a sense of ownership now when you come back, and, and the fact that it has been so successful? Uh, 
Yeah, I, I hope I contribute in a little bit of way to, to any success that they might have here. But it, it's still it's about the relationships that you had with your co- my coaches and, and the players that I brought in here. And it's you know like watching your children go. The same thing. I had 110 children every year that I was responsible for, and 18 to 20 year old young men. It's a little difficult to manage sometimes. Sure, so they, yeah. they kind of make some bonehead decisions every once in a while, but it, it was fun, and they all turn out well, and as a matter of, a great success. As a matter of interest, did you get more or less patient with those bonehead decisions as time went on? Uh, you know, maybe the older you get, the, the less patient you get, but you have to learn, <laughs> you know, uh, about it. But, you know, they're good kids, and, and when, when you sit down, and, you know, the best part is when they realize that they made a mistake and say, okay, yeah. Yeah. Take ownership of it and let's move on. Um, you would have background in the Marine Corps, is that right? I graduated from the United States Naval Academy. You know, I was commissioned second lieutenant in the Marine Corps and made it all the way to, to major in the reserve. And uh, I, I mean, frequently we kind of talk about the parallels. Or I don't know if it's a, g- a good way of talking about sport, but you know, uh, maybe it was Orwell who said that um, sport is, is war without the, the casualties. But I'm not sure if I believe that. I think that maybe we, we, we talk about it too much like that. And yeah, I, no, I, uh, yeah, I think th- that happens when you're not in conflicts. And I think, you know, we're kind of sensitive now when the young men and women of your country are somewhere else fighting. You, it, there's no comparison. One of the greatest when I went to North Carolina State as a head coach, one of the best things that I ever did is I would take my football th- team to the warrior, Wounded Warrior Battalion down at Camp Lejeune, um, the Marine Corps station there. And the first year I had trouble getting kids to go. The next year I had busloads that wanted to go down and spend time w- with the wounded warrior. So, you know, you, you, you look at some of the sacrifices those kids make. The only way it's, it's like that is, you know, it's a contest. You got 11 on 11. Some people say it's like chess. You got to move your, your little pieces around the board out there and, and, you know, try to outflank your opponent and try to create two on ones or three on two situations like that. So that, that may be the only thing where there's a tie in, I think, right now. Are Boston College going to win tonight's game? Absolutely. That's why we're here. Yeah. Hey, root them on. <laughs> Go Thanks. Eagles. Thanks very much for joining us. Right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Former BC coach Tom O'Brien there. War minus the shooting was the uh, Orwell quote that I was looking for. 53106 is the text number. You can tweet us at Off the Ball. It's a glorious, sun drenched Friday evening here in uh, Friday afternoon in Boston. We're in Boston College. And uh, we're bringing you a very special American themed for at least two questions. Crappy quiz right after these. Off the Ball. Getting inside the game. Sponsored by Ireland's favourite car brand, Ford. Go further.